Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton. Uh, today, I want to talk about a very thorny topic, which is the future of police in America. We seem to be at a point now where everybody's got a strong point of view, both pro and con. And I thought I'd bring our panel of experts on the T Bill Walton Show uh, team. We have French Rich McFadden, Greg Columbus, uh, Brian McNichol, Frank Wazitur, and Alona Wazitur. And Alona, of course, is from Kazakhstan, and so she's going to have maybe a a different take on, on policing, and we'll be interested in that. Uh, Rich, uh, the whole police uh, uh, pl police story, pardon the pun, seems to be a mess right now. What, 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 what do you think is going on? Well, I, I think that, um, unfortunately, a few bad situations have spread out to any situation that's deemed unfair to the uh, perpetrator. And therefore, good cops are being blamed for bad people's actions. Um, uh, this one kind of hits home for me because my brother was a DC cop in Anacostia, Washington, DC, which is the worst neighborhood in DC. And when he first started working for the Washington, DC Police Department, he wanted, volunteered for that neighborhood because he never wanted a congressman or a senator or an aide telling him, do you know who I am? He wanted to work with real people and he wanted to see if he could make real change. He worked closely with the schools. He worked closely with the kids. He dressed up as Santa Claus and took the kids shopping every, uh, you know, underprivileged kids shopping every Christmas. Um, but after 25 years of service, he decided that his pension was not worth losing because somebody could take 10 seconds of uh, cell phone video and share it on social media and get the wrong impression over a situation that he has come up against uh, in his neighborhood. It's a bad neighborhood, bad things happen. You gotta be a tough cop, but he was a fair cop and he decided to retire early so that he could save his pension and not get thrown in jail for the rest of his life. Well, Chicago is um, seeing record numbers of retirements. I picked up so, an article. My brother, when he put in for retirement, they told him you have to wait until after the inauguration. And then he was able to retire after the inauguration. Uh, but then they put a moratorium on retirement requests because they were getting overrun. Half of the department who could was eligible for retirement was, and they said, we can't do this. So they started spacing out who can ask for retirement when. So you've got a lot of cops sitting right in the DC police department who are like, I'm out of here day one when I'm eligible. And, and you know what they're replacing them with? Nothing good. Uh, Brian, thoughts? Um, That's what I'm hearing is, you know, when you have those people, you know, as Rachel was saying, a lot of that, you know, it's not gonna be regulated. People are not gonna be there to make sure you did it right. You know, it's going to be up to you making judgment calls in the moment all the time, right? That, that are A, life and death, B, right or wrong, C, you know, terrible or great or whatever. And, you know, you have to make a snap judgment on that. And so you're replacing people who've been doing it for 25 or 30 years 
with people who, you know, need a job because you're now going to be going for people recruiting people into police work that probably are not suited for it just to fill the the uh, vacancies. There's an enormous amount of vacancies in police now all over the country. Well, and I think the United States, we've been blessed to have police that we generally think are on the side of law and order and are decent, decent people. Obviously, there's some bad apples, which we've heard a lot about, but that's not the vast majority of police. And we've been fortunate in this country because we haven't had a lot of corruption in the police force. Uh, Alona, you're from Kazakhstan. Uh, you were saying before we came on, what, what, what's your view of the police uh, in, in Kazakhstan? Well, it's the absolute opposite. Here, people actually do call 911, do go to the police in order to solve something, in order to um, get you know, some help. Uh, back in Kazakhstan, you would see a patrol walking down the street. And if you might be doing something that, let's say you're not supposed to, you would run <laughs> right off the bat because it's, they will make sure to grab you and, you know, being a kid, you are in more trouble than you should be. And as more of an adult, especially, you know, driving down the street and not really breaking any rules, you might be pulled over for no reason. And the only way you can actually get out of it is pay them off, quite literally. Well, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, I remember being stopped by a so-called traffic cop in Costa Rica in the middle of nowhere in the country. And he was sort of standing there and after a little bit, he was speaking in Spanish and I was speaking in English. And then all of a sudden the universal <laughs> language appeared and it was, oh, he wanted a hundred dollars. And so and he got his hundred dollars and I drove off, uh, I drove off in my rental. <laughs> yeah. But isn't that and really that, the issue though with, uh, I don't mean, in, yeah. in, I just wanted to get into something though, but isn't that sort of the issue here where, for the last uh, uh, police shooting victims, at least the ones that have hit the national stage with videos, they were resisting arrest. And, you know, when I'm a kid, basically I'm told if you're stopped by the police, you don't resist arrest, at least in America. And that's the way you can, you can keep yourself from getting hurt. And yet increasingly we're seeing lots of, lots of kids uh, doing just that. And some, sometimes for good reason, because they've got uh, uh, records a mile long, but, but nevertheless, that is the way you keep from getting uh, hurt or killed. Greg? Well, that's true. Maybe uh, jump in here. Sure, we've seen that in a number of cases. And uh, of course, even when people are resisting arrest, there are protocols that police are certainly trained to follow. Do you use deadly force? Uh, I mean, there are different varieties of resisting arrest. Is one a, a direct threat to your safety and your life? And is other just trying to get away? And obviously, you have different tactics in those situations. And that has us now actually having the mayor of Chicago suggesting that police officers need to get permission from a supervisor to initiate a foot chase of a suspect. And so um, my podcast partner says that should be titled the Helping the Criminals Get a Head Start Act of 2021. <laughs> and so uh, 
what we're seeing here is um, what I call the, the shifting of the Overton window. We had the defund the police movement last year in the wake of George Floyd. And of course, if you were to actually literally defund, and there was a big debate on the left about whether they really meant that or they just meant reallocating. And a lot of people on the left said, no, we really do mean defund. Now, in the wake of the uh, Chauvin verdict and some of these other cases that we've seen come up, they're saying abolish the police. They're not even talking about the money anymore. They're literally talking about abolishing. And some of these cities that really took a hard left line last summer, like Minneapolis, like Los Angeles, uh, have now seen their political leaders come back and say, actually, we do need more money because crime is rampant, our, our forces dropping in numbers like Rich was talking about, and the, the morale is just plummeting. I think it was Albuquerque, New Mexico recently that, that uh, saw numbers just absolutely tanking, and they've had crime issues there for a while. And so, but what happens is you start talking about defunding, you start talking about abolishing, and you, that still seems like the fringe, but the more it's part of the conversation over time, the less crazy it sounds. And so the overall conversation is still ticking to well, the left, and that's not good. Well, uh, yeah, the, the take, but in Portland, Fred Wheeler, who's the mayor there, who was just yeah. a crazy progressive and told, you know, refused to um, uh, do anything to uh, stop what was happening in or uh, Oregon or uh, Portland, just recently came out and said, it's time to put up uh, in place higher bail, uh, higher pretail restrictions. And he pleads for the public to cooperate with the police. And he says, our job Too is late. not... He's had this epiphany a few times. It never yeah. seems to do much, but we'll see if uh, anybody else besides the police is interested. So this in is a this is that. a recurring theme for him. He oh, goes well, Ted Wheeler's <laughs> problem is he's the mayor, but he's also the police commissioner. And okay. so uh, when you they arrest people, and then the the prosecutor who was a, who was one of these guys whose campaign was funded by Soros uh, refuses to prosecute even even major felony cases, you know, assaulting police officers, setting fire to federal buildings, they just don't prosecute. So, I mean, you know, the problem is, is like our basic principles of justice are what's on trial here. It's like, you know, individual justice, like for instance, the guy in Columbus, <clears throat> you know, if that's not a justifiable shoot, then there are no justifiable shoots. Girl has her knife ready to plunge into somebody's, uh, you know, chest and kill them, and you can't shoot that person, then then why do we have police, right? And so they're like, oh, that's just another cop, you know, killing a black person. No, that's somebody preventing a murder, right? That's not the same. He had no, you know, uh, Chauvin in Minnesota had some discretion over how he handled George Floyd, right? Especially once he was down on the ground and handcuffed and so forth. This guy had no discretion. He had no moment to like consider. And I had people like, oh, he should have used the taser. It's like, uh, let me run to my car as the knife is coming back and grab the, the taser, right? So, you know, I mean, we're not judging these things individually anymore. And if you can't, you know, if you have the relationship with uh, law enforcement that like Alona was talking about in Kazakhstan, then, you know, you're, you know, that's a violation of trust that, you know, people don't see the police as a, as an honest arbiter of these situations, you know, that's dangerous on a number of levels. That means, you know, our laws don't really matter if we can't enforce them. Well, and, and that's, you know, I think that is, that is the point. I think our laws now are being called into question. You look at immigration laws and you have all these cities declaring themselves sanctuary cities and, 
the, the laws seem to be applied uh, now, not blindly, but according to your group. Right. And so if you're if you're part of a privileged group and it used to be I used to be part of the privileged group, you know, white male, uh, that's no longer true. Uh, but if you're part of a group that's privileged, uh, the laws gets it's supposed to be applied one way. And it, it so we not only have the policing, but we've got what are the rules? What are the laws? And if we're not going to enforce them, why should police even bother? Like well, they're, they're, I, they're now talking about police police shouldn't even be making traffic stops. And I, here's, here's where all this is going to go. Uh, you can say abolish the police. You can say defund the police. And none of that really matters because it's already done because the good cops that are there want to get out and there are nobody to replace them. We're going to end up with fewer and fewer local police departments and more federal police on the ground in the 10 to 15 years i will guarantee you that major cities will not have local police departments it'll be federal so we're all going to be looking they're going to be looking like the capital looks like now where we've yep. got federal troops surrounding the capital grounds unless there is some huge turnaround where cities get so bad that the municipalities there realize their wrongs and they bring in and train and create a great well, turned around police well, department. Well, I, I, that, I'm in the, go ahead. Well, that, that can gain the people's trust again and, and show people that you do need law and order. You absolutely need law and order and you need to run it well and you need to fund it well. Unless we do that, we're all looking at federal police force. Well, you may be right. I, there's a reason I call you Yoda. I mean, you always seem to have that uh, insight, uh, which I'll, I'll, I'll put that out there that you're probably right. But on the other hand, there is a divergence, though. And I think that it's increasingly clear that you've got the cultural elite that wants to do all these crazy things like get rid of the police. And then you have the rest of America, which is most of us. And we think that would be nuts, including people in the inner city. If you if you pull them, 80, 85, 90% of them say, don't get rid of the police. That's the only friend we've got. Yeah, but but the media is all over defund the police. It's, 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 I realize that most but, good thinking Americans don't want to abolish or defund the police, but, but the, the perception culturally. Well, well, yeah, yeah, I understand. But I, that perception could be changing though, if they lose their cultural authority. An example, my case in point is Academy Awards the other night, um, There's some movie called Judas and the Black Messiah, which I admit I, I didn't watch, uh, but I guess it features Fred Hampton, who's a, Brett, a Black Panther leader, and Fred uh, was quoted repeatedly during the Academy Awards ceremony um, as, as quoting Mao Tse-Song, and also he called for the killing of every police officer in the country, and that was in the Academy Awards, and it was right up on stage. They decided not to show clips from the film, but rather they just had the presenters presenting and spewing political opinion. The reward for that, the attend or the the uh, the number of viewers of the Academy Awards fell about sixty percent, and for the first time in history, it's been it was under ten million. I think had twenty six million watching the thing last year. So, my my hope is that the cultural elite have drifted so far away that we're going to regain control of. Uh, of this argument. Yeah, but then you look at social media and what 
they lost in viewership in the Oscars, they've more than gained on Twitter and Facebook and Clubhouse okay. and, 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 and all the rest. Uh, I mean, it seems to me that it way in. Yeah, Frank. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that if, um, you know, you do have this scenario where, you know, more and more local cops are saying, well, you know, it's just not worth the, it's not worth the risk to be associated with it because, you know, like as Rich was saying, you know, God forbid, you know, 10, you know, there's a, an awkward 10 second clip taken out of context and then I lose my pension, I lose all my benefits of the job, et cetera. And, you know, you have a loss of local you know, police departments, and you have a an increase in in federal uh, law enforcement there because at some point somebody somewhere has to enforce the law. Like there has to be a department that enforces the law fundamentally. So it seems to me if this all goes to the federal level, and that would be a uh, I don't know. It's, it, to me, it seems like more of a dystopian kind of future where it's more uh, you know martial law oriented because you've just consolidated power into more power into the federal government which is uh, always yeah. never a good idea uh, in, in, in any context hey bill yeah, can i, I take us all the that. way down the rabbit hole Do I? Sure, why not brian mentioned <laughs> soros a few minutes ago and that just takes me back to my soros stopped trying to fund federal and and national elections he realized he wasn't getting anywhere. So he started going with local municipalities. Like he's funding the dog catcher and education boards and the, the local town and county leader, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And he's been hugely successful. So he's, his Brian talked about this. And I think that this plays in big time with a lot of these mayors and police chiefs that are against, or not the police chiefs, that are against having a police force and for defunding the police. I mean, Brian, I, I think that he put a lot of the people in place that are creating some of these cities that are having problems. Well, didn't he put Kim Davis in place in Chicago, the prosecutor who's just yeah. terrible? Yeah, that yeah, I was going to say that his focus is not really like mayors and aldermen and whatnot, it's prosecutors. And all over the country, there are prosecutors. And education boards. Countywide election, and he's all over... You know, it doesn't take a lot of money to give someone an insurmountable edge in a pro in a local, you know, one county election, and that's what he's done. Alona in in Kazakhstan is the uh, are the police all federal? There's no there's no conception of local police, is there? Is it all just state? No, there isn't. Everything is within the state. Yeah. Okay, and how does one become a policeman in Kazakhstan? Um, you go through the school, um, and it, it takes a certain amount of years. You, ha you have to be patrolling the streets. You have to, um, serve in certain, um, kind of districts first, and then you can. But is it considered become... a political job? Is it considered to be, I mean, for example, Kazakhstan used to be communist under, under the Soviet Union. I don't know what kind of government, mm -hmm. but where I'm going with this is you've got China, which is my, I'm sort of obsessed with China because I'm concerned <laughs> that what's going on there is going to be happening here. And not necessarily that they imposed it on us, but we imposed it on ourselves. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I'm concerned, you know, in China, everything, the Chinese Communist Party has got each their each of their political people in these in these posts like police. Is that is that true in Eastern Europe as well? They do work closer to 
um, the government versus the people. Yeah. So they they do, yeah, they do work more for the government. Well, the thing we successfully serving the people. The thing we've success. Well, that was that's the key point: protect and serve, serve the people. Mm -hmm. That was the watchword. That was the thing. That was the beacon. And I, I fear that uh, we get this new wave of people in that don't really have the qualifications, the people retiring, that culture could change a lot. Yeah, Greg? I, you know, my wife is from Colombia, so kind of like Kazakhstan, I've, I've gotten to see what it's like to drive through your town and see uh, uh, three or four guys in military fatigues uh, sitting on the corner with rifles. Uh, and they're just the police, they're, you know, it's not a military action. They're just the police. And that's what I fear is coming here. You know, you, you ride down to DC right now, you see a fence all the way around the Capitol. You see uh, the, the Humvees and, you know, how far does that go? Right. You know, I don't know. You said talking about federal police. <clears throat> I don't know that that's the way it'll go because like, if you had a Trump president, you know, would San Francisco want federal police? I don't think so, right? So, are you ever going to get a Trump president again? Don't well, think so. You're going to get, you're going to have a pretty good shot at it in 24, mm. you know, considering how things are going now. That's a whole nother conversation about election. But, oh, but, I, but I'm, what I'm saying is, is like the people who are not aligned with you are not going to want to be policed by you. That's true. Well, speaking of elections, I think it's going to be interesting to see how people in the areas most affected react to this. I mean, we know that in most major urban areas, uh, the vote is pretty lopsided. But if you look at the 2020 elections, uh, Republicans led by Trump uh, did better among African Americans, and they did a lot better among Latinos than expected. And if you look at the polls we were talking about earlier, some of the strongest numbers for keep the police, heck, bring even more police in is in the worst neighborhoods in the biggest cities in this country. And so Part of it is just a growing frustration that you have these people who don't live in these cities, don't live in these uh, difficult neighborhoods, trying to tell those people, I know better than you, and I'm going to come in with my cookie cutter agenda that you don't need police anymore. And it's going to be fascinating to see how these people respond. It could take a while in some of these lopsided cities to to see a pushback on that. And it might not happen. But I mean, um, here's the problem. They don't vote. Those people who want the police who live in the inner cities, they don't, they vote. don't vote. So yeah. it's those elites outside the city trying to look, you know, look out for the people in the city. Right, right. We know what's best for you. Those are the ones who do vote. And that's where we're stuck. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, every once in a while, a city will. I mean, I don't know if New York City is ever going to get back to the point of electing somebody like Rudy was back in 1993. But every once in a while, a big city will do that. And and, and when they do, you see, sometimes you see good results. But uh I, I, I don't know when we'll see that or if we'll see it, but uh, I, I think you're going to see a building resentment for this uh, kind of pat on the head. I know better than, than you, even though you're the one living through this every day. Well, we have friends who have a place, Tony, Tony Lobianco, the actor was on the show. He still has a place up in Manhattan and they've been down here in Maryland and they've got a horse, horse place down here. And he's forced to go back to Manhattan because he's shooting a film. That's great news. He's shooting a film. That's, but the bad news is they're afraid to go out during the day in Manhattan. During the the day. number of, the number of rapes in, in Times Square have like grown tenfold uh, in the last year. And so it, it, I think 
if, if this this can't continue i mean i remember i lived in new york in the early 70s when it was just it was really exciting because it was just law and order there was none and then rudy giuliani came in and uh it, he got the city changed i mean if i think we need more local people writing to the rescue rather than counting on a on a president to come in and and, and solve these problems and that's where I think it gets incumbent upon us to figure out how to organize people locally to make these changes. That's exactly how it should happen. Right. And like you have Virginia, you know, we have, we have 139 members of the legislature and I think 46 of them are running unopposed and 44 of those 46 are Democrats. So the first prop, first objective would be to like find candidates, you know, get people to run. Well, we're uh, coming up with. <laughs> All right, Bill. <laughs> I'm usually we're waiting for you. Like I help? usually i <laughs> I usually like to find lines of actions in these shows where we can say, <laughs> "Okay, we got this. We got this big problem. Here's our line of action." The only line of action we have so far is Donald Trump's going to come back and 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 trump everything up again. Uh, I happen to like the guy, but I'm I'm afraid I don't think the odds of his coming back are that high. We'll... Yeah, I don't know if it'll be him specifically. Right. Um, okay. But uh, but if there's, I mean, we'll see what happens in the midterms. I think that'll be a, a decent uh, indicator of what may happen in in 24. But uh, a lot can happen between now and then. So uh, and probably not for the good when uh, when one side controls a lot. Well. Um... We've succeeded in, in certainly depressing me that uh, I don't see a lot of lines of action in these cities. Anybody, anybody want a final word here about policing in America? I, I, I think the Columbus case is huge. I think that if they go after that officer, then we, you know, we're in big trouble because you can't police, if what he did is, is de deemed to be wrong, then you can't police the country. Well, I'm not going to give you a final word. Maureen, my producer, was just talking about this, and she was. I'm not going to bring her on the air. She didn't want to talk about it. But that's one of those videos that, if you look at it on Fox, you see it one way, where the she had a knife and she was going to kill yeah. somebody. But that's been edited, and right. you don't see you don't see that version on most of the major uh, uh, networks. And so we're like, once again, America's got two different views of what happened because they've edited the tape. Yep. Yeah, I think that the, the big hope here is that the people in the inner cities that really do want police in their neighborhood uh, start to say, you don't speak for me any longer. I'm going to use my voice and I'm going to tell you how I want our neighborhood to run. Because when they talk about systemic racism, that is the picture perfect example of what systemic racism is, is when the elites outside the city tell them, we know what's good for you. And this is how we're going to run everything. You don't need the police to protect you. And the people in the city like, like hell, I don't. So hopefully that that comes to fruition where the people in the cities speak their, their mind. Yeah, you're Rich. not here on Saturday night, buddy. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. All right. Well, those, I think those are good takeaways. Anybody got anything else? Greg? I'm good. I think that's exactly okay. right. Uh, it's going right. to have to happen locally bit by bit. There's not going to be a national fix. Okay. All right. Well, Frank and Alona Wazteer and Rich McFadden, Greg Carambas, Brian McNichol, uh, 
thanks guys. Uh, I think we've at least illustrated what the issues are. And uh, anyway, thanks for joining me. And also thanks, thank you all for, for watching and listening. And we'll see you next time on The Bill Walton Show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over 100 episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page. And send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.